Can we have the scripture? Please, Neil, that would be wonderful. This is from the second half of... Um, was it? This is from 1 Samuel 7, 2 to 3. But 2 to... Where's it going to? 11. Thank you. We've got it written here somewhere. There we go. Let's read the whole lot. It was a long time, 20 years in all. Actually, the older I get, the shorter 20 years feels. I don't know about the rest of you. Uh, 20 years in all that the ark remained at Kiriath Jearim, and all the people of Israel mourned and sought after the Lord. The Philistines have taken the, the ark of the Lord. And Samuel said to the whole house of Israel, If you are returning to the Lord with all your hearts, then rid yourselves of the foreign gods and the Ashtoreths and commit yourself to the Lord and serve him only. And he will deliver you out of the hands of the Philistines. So the Israelites put away their Baals and Ashtoreths and served the Lord only. Then Samuel said, Assemble all Israel at Mizpah, and I will intercede with the Lord for you. When they assembled at Mizpah, they drew water and poured it out before the Lord. On that day they fasted, and there they confessed, We have sinned against the Lord. And Samuel was leader of Israel at Mizpah. When the Philistines heard that Israel had assembled at Mizpah, the rulers of the Philistines came up to attack them. And when the Israelites heard of it, they were afraid because of the Philistines. They said to Samuel, Do not stop crying out to the Lord our God for us, <coughs> that he may rescue us from the hand of the Philistines. Then Samuel took a sucking lamb and offered it up as a whole burnt offering to the Lord. He cried out to the Lord on Israel's behalf, and the Lord answered him. While Samuel was sacrificing the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to engage Israel in battle. But that day the Lord thundered with loud thunder against the Philistines and threw them into such a panic that they were routed before the Israelites. The men of Israel rushed out of Mizpah and pursued the Philistines, slaughtering them along the way to a point below beth Car. A little bit, well, can I encourage you, go back. This is 1 Samuel chapter 7. Read the first seven chapters of 1 Samuel. Get the context for this. Get, get who Samuel is before he gets to this point. Because we could just jump straight in and go, wow, what an amazing guy. Do you remember the story of his birth? Yeah? Hannah. His mother, barren, and her husband's Elkanah's other wife, having hundreds of kids. Well, several. Maybe not, I may be exaggerating slightly, but having several. And basically going up to Hannah, going, No, I've got children. It actually says when Elkanah gave, gave them all the food. When they went up to the temple and gave Hannah a double portion because he wanted her to be blessed and probably felt her pain. And the other one went, mm, you're not normal. She provoked Hannah. And Hannah cried out to the Lord and cried out to the Lord and cried out to the Lord and cried out to the Lord for a long time. And then said, if I have a child... I'll give him back to you. He's yours. 
fact, while she's doing this in the temple, Eli thinks she's drunk because she's praying, her lips are moving, and there's no sound. Who else did they think was drunk? The disciples at Pentecost. Because they were babbling on. The world and the religious authorities think anybody who prays in tongues is drunk or bonkers. I've got a friend at the moment who's sectioned mental health issues. And part of the problem they're saying is his faith, because that's a psychosis. He believes in something that doesn't exist. And of course, we're going, the answer is his faith. He needs to reconnect properly with Jesus and get people around him to help him. And they're going, the last thing he needs to do is to go to church. And we're going, the only thing he needs to do is go to The world does not get it. And we can agree with the world if we want to. If you agree with the world, can I ask you a question? Why are you here? Because it's not a psychosis, is it? We've all had an experience of Jesus. Hmm. Oh, if you're here seeking an experience of Jesus, that's great. Let's uh, have, a, have a chat afterwards and we'll have a pray. But Hannah gives Samuel back to the Lord. His birth is in difficult circumstances, but is surrounded by her faith. Completely surrounded by her faith. Actually, and dad's faith, because they go up to the temple, they're, they're, they're devout and they, they're obedient. But her faith, her heart-wrenching faith, surrounds Samuel's birth. She cries from the heart. If you look at chapters 1 and 2, you see the goodness of God despite the circumstances. And even the name Samuel, the normal translation for the name Samuel is God has heard. Because she called him that because God had heard her cry. And Samuel isn't quite God has heard in Hebrew, but it sounds like God has heard with all these names. Do you know what else it sounds like? God has been heard. So not only has God been heard, but God has been heard. God has heard her cry, and it also there's a sense in the name that God is being heard. And what does Samuel turn out to be? A prophet. Hmm. So God, there's that two-way thing. God has heard, God has been heard. Our cry goes to God, we listen to what he's saying. Sometimes we listen to what he's saying and our cry goes to God. Sometimes our cry goes to God and we hear what he's saying. So our cry goes back to God and we hear what he's... And we're into that virtuous circle. So even the name he gets, his birth surrounded by faith, his name speaking into his life, who he is. And then the call, do you remember the story of his call? She's, she's let him go, she's held on to him while, she's, while he's weaned and then she lets him go, my flipping neck, he was young when he went. I know they would have gone longer than we do, but Bayek, he was still very, very young when he went to the 
temple to live with Eli and the, Eli's two sons. Do you remember what Eli's two sons are described as? Scoundrels. That's the word. Because they eat the food dedicated to idols and they do other unmentionables with their unmentionables. <laughs> They're not good people. Well, not for the son of a priest. Not, and it, in a way, just because they're the son of a priest doesn't really matter, but they're sons of priests who actually now hold office in the temple. So Samuel is now living in a context which isn't exactly filled with faith. It's filled with disobedience and scoundrel-like behavior. And then he's called Samuel. And he goes to see Eli and says, yes, master, what do you want? And Eli says, I didn't call you, go back to sleep. Don't be an idiot. Go on. First time. Second time, Eli's... It, problem with Eli is he's a bit slow on the uptake, is Eli. He's very passive. If he wasn't passive, he wouldn't let his boys get away with what they get away with. Because he's the high priest, so he has authority. Oh, oh, and he's their dad. <laughs> so he has double authority. But he... Oh. Can't be bothered. Oh, just let people get on with it, shall we? Tell you what's the easy way. Just let people get on with it. It's definitely the easy way. You don't upset people just by just going, yeah, that's okay. Don't worry about it. That's okay. And Samuel hears his name again, and this time he does what Eli tells him, and he gets up and he says, yes, Lord, here I am. His birth... His name, his call, faith, faith all round that. And then he comes to be the leader. He takes over from Eli. As I've said to you, Eli is very passive. He has no authority. His scoundrelish sons have no regard for the Lord. That's the next phrase. The sons who are scoundrels have no regard for the Lord. Yet they're officials in the temple. I love it when I talk to my non-Anglican friends or I talk to my, or some of you who have only ever been in this church and not, you don't have a wider experience of the Anglican church. And, and we say something, I say something like, well, I can't be convinced that all Anglican vicars are born again. And my non-Anglican friends or some of you go, what? How? How can you get to be a vicar and not know Jesus? Really sorry it happens. We've got fewer bishops in that position, but there's still some. And we've had two or three archbishops on the trot now who have believed, which is wonderful. But, you know, our, a religious community doesn't mean an alive community. It can be doing all the right things with no presence of God. And that doesn't mean I want everybody to be raving charismatics and singing all the modern songs and do it. No, what matters is the presence of Jesus. And there's far too many religious people around. And this is what we've got here. I think Eli has a, has a bit of faith. But as I say, it's very passive. Every time you see Eli, he's sitting down. I'll tell you what, the first time I read that, I stood, I stood up quite a bit more. But he's, he's clearly... He's, He's just not with it. 
He's probably a really nice guy. He loves his boys so much that he won't discipline them. Or is it he loves his boys so little? He won't. Anyway, I'll leave you to think that one out. It <laughs> Eli is leading the people. He's the national leader. And he's spiritually blind, or at least dull. He tolerates too much sin, and there's no repentance. What happens to the people? They keep losing battles. The Philistines. The Philistines have come and taken the Ark of the Lord and moved it. And Eli's gone, oh, that's not great. Oh, well, on we go. Really? The ark that represents the presence of the Lord has been stolen by the enemy. And the leader is going, oh, well, people do people things. Doesn't really matter, does it? Yes, it flipping does. The leader should be going, you know, just like Samuel, uh, sorry, just like David with Goliath. You know, who dares come against the living God? Who dares set themselves up in opposition? And Eli's going, oh, oh, and then Samuel takes over. What happens? Verse 2. All the people of Israel mourned and sought after the Lord. This stoppage, this blockage is now out of the way and the people turn back towards God. Notice they haven't come in repentance first. They, they're turning back towards God. They're mourning. They're mourning in a selfish way, actually, because their thing has gone. So the thing that marks them out, the presence of God in the Ark of the Covenant, is gone. Well, isn't where it should be. They're mourning. They turn back towards God, verse 2. And Samuel said to them, if you are returning, Samuel's still saying, you know, is this genuine? Is this real? If you are returning to the Lord with all your hearts, then get rid of the foreign gods and the asterisks and commit yourself to the Lord and serve him only. He will deliver you. He calls out their idolatry. This faith-filled prophet who knows that God hears him, who knows he hears God from a very small boy, Samuel. From a very small boy, he's heard the voice of the Lord. Even Eli recognized it. And he, could, the first thing, do you know, I would have thought a good leader was going, well done, guys, you're moving in the right direction. Let's not rock the boat and we'll just push up. What does he do? He goes, if you're doing this properly, then get rid of all your idols. He doesn't do it gently, gently, nicey, nicey. He sees movement and he goes, come on then, let's go. Oh, by the way, drop those bags. Drop that stuff you're carrying. 
the faithful leader calls out the sin, calls out the idolatry. Where do you want me to go with that now? We've been doing it, haven't we? The idolatry of comfort, the idolatry of religion, the idolatry of being safe and secure in what we do because we know what it's about. The idolatry of finance, the idolatry of family. Remember, good things can become idols. I'll leave it to you and the Holy Spirit to work out which is the idols you need to drop. And if I've named anyone where you're going, ouch, that's not my fault, I'm sorry. I'm just naming a few as we go past. And if you go out, then that's the spirit coming up to you going. Mm. I didn't actually poke Richard in the eye then, I promise. He calls. So the Israelites put away their bales and ashtrays and served the Lord. Wonderful. Didn't last long, but wonderful. In the moment, in the immediate, wonderful. Next generation, oops. Generation after that, oops. A few generations down the line, oh. But in the immediate, there's a reaction. And actually, in the media, if we react to the call, then actually the next generation is less, is less likely to make the same mistakes. I'm not promising they will not make the same mistakes, but they're less likely to. Because we're setting up good precedent and good foundations. Yeah. Look at the history of St. Leonard's. There's some amazing things. Not just Thomas Clark. But there's some amazing things. There's some amazing things in the last 50 years, aren't there? Those of you that have been here. There's amazing things. The numbers at evening service is not about numbers, but the people blessed through, the number of people blessed through the youth ministry, the number of people in children. Katie showed me a picture of the Sunday school back in 1970 something, wasn't it? Yeah. You couldn't see the field down there for the number of flipping kids. There was just huge numbers, weren't there? It's not about numbers. That's a, that was a diff, culturally very different. But what foundations? You know, this church has been known for revival in the past. Hundreds standing on the field listening to Thomas Clark preach. Reading a bit more about Thomas Clark, you know, the, those in the Methodist ministry, those before they became Methodists, before it was a, a church, while they were still Anglicans and trying to work out what that meant, the young men would be sent to Thomas Clark here to be trained before they went off to theological college to be trained. And we talk about us being a resourcing church. It's in our history. So we're not, when we make changes for the new season, it's not about breaking with the past. Actually, it's about enabling the, the fullness of the past to be in the present now. If this image helps... Good. If it doesn't help, ignore the next two minutes, all right? How many times did Manchester United win the Premiership back in the 90s and early 2000s? Those of you into football, come on, Chris, how many times? 13. It's a lot, isn't it? If they were still playing the same style of football now, 
they wouldn't win. Oh, they are. <laughs> Part of the problem, isn't it? If they were playing the same style of football now, they wouldn't win because the style of football that's being played has changed. Mourinho and Guardiola and all the rest have changed the way we do football. And Ferguson stayed with it for a while, but then those that have taken over haven't been able to do it. If we still do what we did 20 years ago into a different cultural context, it's not going to work. Now, we still seek God and we still worship him and we still do, we still do the fundamentals, but the way we do them changes. There's songs I love from the 80s and 90s. You may have noticed, actually, most of these are from the 2000s, so I'm not that far behind. But if I'm, if I'm still singing those songs for me, that's fine. If we're still singing those songs, and we sound like Radio 2 did in the 1980s, we're not going to attract new people. We'll attract people like us, which won't necessarily be a bad thing, because they need to be saved as well, but we won't attract, you know? Please, God, Johnny comes back soon. Because he'll go out of date as well, <laughs> eventually. He's the same as me. I'm trying to keep up. I'm trying to keep up. But we don't, because we get older. And if you see Stephen Fry being interviewed last week, and, and oh no, I think we watched it last week, it was a few weeks ago, by Anna Yentop. Stephen Fry said, I've got a prodigious memory, and I hold on to lots of information, but the older I get, the more of that information is now out of date. And I get it. There's lots of stuff I remember. I say things in the office and make references to popular culture from 30 years ago, and they all go, what? Even Ruth, don't you? They're all far too flipping young. You know, half the songs we sang last week, Alice, were before you were written before you were born, weren't they? But never mind. We've got to make those changes. This is what's happening here. Lay down your idols. Lay down your idols. Lay down the things that get in the way. He calls them to repentance, verse 4 to 6. Where are we? There we go. They put them away and then he says, he assembles them and he intercedes for them and he calls them to repentance. They fasted and there they confessed, we have sinned against the Lord. They come to repentance, he intercedes for them. He is passionate and he is prayerful because he, know he knows God has heard. He is Samuel. God has heard, and he has heard God. And then in verse 12. Oh, can we have verse 12 as well? Sorry. Yeah, verse 11. We'll, we'll this bit here. God, God breaks out. God breaks out in power on the back of their faith and their thanksgiving. In verse 12, he says this. Samuel took a stone, set it up between Mizpah and Shen. He named it Ebenezer, saying, Thus far the Lord has helped us. What, what, what's he doing at the end of this story? What's he doing? He's putting a stone down, something solid, and saying, Isn't God good? He's giving thanks. He's giving thanks. So we've seen Samuel moving in faith seeing the idols, calling people to repentance, interceding for them, being passionate and prayerful. And then we see God moving in power. 
And Samuel responds in thanksgiving. What's changed between Eli and Samuel? Has God changed? No. Have the Philistines changed? Have the people changed? Actually, to start with, have the people changed? What's changed? The leader's changed. Now, I'm not the leader. We are the leader here. I don't just mean me, Chris, and Joy, and Kathy, and Pete, and Katie. But we all lead. I don't lead anything. Yes, you do. You lead your own life. You lead your family. You lead somewhere. You lead. What? We can't, we can't change the head of the family, can we? We can't change the head of the family. But the head of the family's heart can change. Yeah? They both nodded. That's good. <laughs> so in certain places, we can't change the leader. But the leader can change. And it's when the leader changes that the people change. And I'm really sorry, but that, that is what happens. But we all then need to change. Because we all lead you go into school. If you're a teacher, you lead. I'm only, a, I'm only a school teacher. No, you lead each class you're in front of. You are the leader. Even if they don't think so. <laughs> Even if they tell you you're not. You are. So you can change the atmosphere. You go into your office, you can change the atmosphere. Even if you're not the, the, the office manager in your office, you can still change the, the atmosphere. And what's the office manager change? You can change things. Samuel brings faith into the equation and brings active hearing and active obedience. Where Eli sits and goes, nah. And it's not that he can't hear, and it's not that he can't see, but he doesn't look and he doesn't listen. We need to look and we need to listen. He calls out sin. He injects faith and courage. He intercedes for the people. He's prayerful and passionate and moves in thanksgiving. And God brings the breakthrough. Doesn't feel like God's bringing the breakthrough right at the moment, does it? Started the email on Friday with, you know, the clock's gone back, hallelujah, an extra hour in bed. Now every evening is dark, damp, dreary, wet, you know. You come home from work and it's dark. It doesn't do, you know, I'm not saying we all suffer from sad, but it doesn't help. And we're pushing and we're pressing and, ah, uh, and the building hasn't, and we, ah, uh, and the finance, and ah. Uh. Shall we change the heart and go for the faith and courage place rather than the passivity and the, Moaning and the whinging and the scoundrel behaviour of the children. Well done, Mike. You didn't look to your left. Well done. That was very good. Very good. Well done. Look straight ahead there. Shall we do that? I hope you're encouraged. Because it can change. The circumstances you're facing right now can change. But part of it needs to change with you.